0: I'm sorry. Good morning, Overlake. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Let's go. To-
1: Hey, <laughs> is deep, his love is wide, and it covers us. His love is fierce, his love is strong, it is furious. His love is sweet, his love is wild, and it's waking hearts to life. Let him wake you tonight. His love is strong, it is furious His love is sweet, His love is wild And it's waking hearts to life.
2: Amen, Overlake, what powerful words and truths we get to declare this morning. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Connor. I am one of the student ministries pastors here at Overlake. It is amazing to see you all. Wow, that, <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, did not tell him to do that, by the way. That's fantastic. It's great to see you guys. It's an honor that you choose to spend your Sunday morning with us. Real quick, before we move on, I want to direct your attention to something that was in your handout when you walked into this place this morning. It's the connection card. There are things going on here at Overlake, I, I believe every day of the week, things for you, to serve you, meant to connect you with community, and meant to help your relationship, serve your relationship with Jesus. and. So I I really want to encourage you to take a look at that connection card at some point during the service right now and fill that out as much as you're comfortable with. It's really our way of helping connect you to things happening here at Overlake. And there's going to be a moment at the end of service where you can drop that connection card in the offering buckets. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. Again, so honored that you decided to choose your Sunday morning with us. Um, There is a connection center right outside of these doors. Um, And after service, hold on to that connection card and you can bring that over to the Connection Center, we have a gift that we'd love to be able to give you just as our way of saying that we're glad you decided to spend your morning with us. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take just a few moments, turn to the person next to you, turn to the person behind you, in front of you, around you, say hello, find out what they did this weekend, and we will be right back here in just a few moments.
3: Lake. It is wonderful to be with you this morning. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. You might want to grab your notes out of your handout. Today is one of those days where I love to have you take a bunch of notes and kind of fill in uh, anything. We're going to talk about a lot of scripture. It's, a, it's going to be a, kind of that academic discipleship kind of a morning. And we're continuing this series on generous living. And I wanted to let you know that this week, because in sort of in preparation for today's message, I was actually reading a bunch of different stories. Hey, DNL, how are you? Hi, Joanna. It's good to see you guys. Uh, I I was reading a bunch of different stories about generosity this week, probably about two dozen stories of generosity, from kids being generous to to people being generous, you know, sort of all around the globe and uh, different ways generosity takes place. And I want to let you know that after reading story after story of generosity, my heart was like uplifted, and I was... I was filled with so much hope and excitement and, and joy as I read these stories of generosity. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is because generosity calls us to our very best selves, does it not? Generosity actually actually lifts us up and it, it brings us to this higher place where God wants us to live all the time. It's a part of the abundance that Jesus invites us into. I'll just share one story. And again, it's a story I didn't know until this week. It happened 100 years ago where Professor Oswald Goulter was a ministry uh, was a missionary rather in China. And for 10 years he served in China, but then he was returning home and his ship stopped in India. And so while he was waiting for a boat home, he found a group of refugees that were living in a warehouse on a pier. And they were unwanted by anyone else, and so Goulter visited them. It was right around Christmas time, so he wished them a Merry Christmas and asked them what kind of presents they would like. We're not Christians, they said. We don't believe in Christmas. Oh, I know, said the missionary, but what would you want for Christmas? So they described these pastries that they were really, really fond of and didn't have any money for. And so Oswald used his ticket money to buy baskets and baskets of these pastries for them. And he brought them to the refugees and he wished them a Merry Christmas. And then later, he was telling the story in one of his classes that he was proffing. And a student said, but sir, what did you do that for? They weren't Christians. They don't even believe in Jesus. I know, Oswald said, but I do. And I want you to understand that, that this is the reality. If you believe in Jesus, and if you're following Jesus, if you, and you've been touched by the generosity of Jesus, then it means generosity and kindness are gonna be hallmarks of our character and our practice. And if you're filling in the blanks, here's the reason why. This is the foundation, and it is that we are created in the image of a generous God, we are made to be generous. Created in the image of a generous God, we're made to be generous. It's simply how we're wired. God is the most generous being in the universe, He's the most giving being in the universe, and we are wired up in His image. Let's do an example. I want everyone to look up here for a moment. Everybody look up here real quick. I just want everybody's attention. All right, we're going to do an exercise to prove this point that we are actually made to be generous. And here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, I want every single one of us to take the deepest breath possible. Just fill up all of your lungs, just your whole diaphragm filled up with oxygen. And then I want you to hold it until I say, release it, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead and inhale, now hold it. Now just hold it tight. Okay, this is actually a picture of hoarding, right here. This is a picture of just receiving and then clinging. A picture of, of being on the getting side of the equation and then just holding it to yourself. Keep holding your breath, keep holding your breath, you guys are good. And just hold it and just feel how it feels to be a hoarder because that's what it's like. Just keep, I got some reading I have to do here, so... All right, you can breathe. You can breathe. Uh, uh, Thank you for brushing your teeth, by the way, today. I appreciate that. Everybody okay? Anybody pass out? Look around. Your neighbor's all right? Okay, great. So obviously, we are not designed to just take in and to withhold. We are designed to take in and then release, to receive and then let out. And I want you to think about breathing for just one more moment. You see, this is how God made you. You breathe in oxygen and you exhale carbon dioxide. And trees, they take this carbon dioxide that you've exhaled and they inhale it and they flourish. And then they exhale oxygen that we breathe in and flourish and we exhale carbon dioxide. Dioxide. And do you see how this is just a beautiful picture? It's the equation that God has made for us to receive and for us to give. It's the ebb and it's the flow. We, we get and then we release. And it's just a part of what Jesus is talking about here when he says, freely you have received, freely give. If there's one verse I want you to memorize in this series, it's that. In fact, can we just say that verse together? Can we just do this? Freely you have received, freely give. These are the words of Jesus, and he's talking about how there's a natural ebb and flow to this. That we're made in the image of God, and God is a generous God, and God gives freely. Provision is God, stewardship is ours. And so God has now, because he loves to give, he has made us to give and And I just remember this last summer. It was such a gorgeous summer. I was hiking in the Cascade Mountains and surrounded by this extraordinary beauty. And I remember having this time with the Lord. And I I just was kind of talking to him, asking, God, who is all this beauty for? You know, there, there was nobody else around. And I was just like, who is this all for? And I just felt him saying, Mike, just enjoy it. It's for you. All this beauty is just for you. And I thought, oh my goodness, how much beauty goes unthanked? How many sunsets happen and I just take them for granted? How many blessings do we receive and we're not even conscious or recognizing God's blessings? I I just think to myself, how many waves are going unsurfed right now? (laughs) <laughs> and God just keeps sending them again and again and again. This is our generous God. And he has given the entire earth to us. You know, I understand at the state fair they have these displays that have the bounty of the produce of Washington State. I, have, I got this picture actually from a self-proclaimed fair nerd. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term fair nerd before. But a fair nerd is a person who goes to the fair and takes pictures of vegetables. But check this out, it's just so beautiful, and this is a celebration of the generous harvest of the earth in our region, and it's all a gift from our generous God. You see, Psalm 115 says this, it says, The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity. He's such a giver, and he gives so generously, for God so loved the world that he gave, and, and we are most like God when we give. And we want to give freely back to God. And and so not only has God created us to be generous, but he's also commanded us to be generous. That's the next fill-in. God creates us to be generous and commands us to be generous as well. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good Wine. I just want you to look at the first verb, honor. You can circle that, honor. It doesn't say, please honor. It, it doesn't say, would you think about honoring? It says, honor. It's an imperative. It's a command. We're to honor God with our wealth. In other words, the best stuff we set aside for him. And King David reminds us that everything we could give to God, it first comes from God. In First Chronicles 29, 14, David says, everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. You know, sometimes we're tempted to think this lie. If only I had a little more, then I'd be generous. If only I had a little more, then I'd be a good steward. You know, Jesus actually says it's exactly the other way around. Jesus says, no, if we're faithful now with the little we have, then we can be trusted by God. With more. Jesus says in Luke 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. In other words, if you're not willing to give a dime out of a dollar, you will never be willing to give a million out of ten million. See, part of the reason why some of us don't have more is because God knows He can't trust us with it. But I want you to understand that this generosity doesn't start with us. It always starts with God. God is the one who gives first. He delights in giving. But he's looking for good stewards who will steward faithfully and give generously. And so I want to start with this thing called the tithe. And let me state very clearly, I talked about this last week, I don't think anyone at Overlake desires to be stingy toward God. I really don't believe that about any of your hearts. I don't believe that any of us want to be withholding when it comes to our relationship with God. However, I do think that many of us don't actually know the deal. And so today is that kind of really practical discipleship. Let's just get into it. What a tithe is. A tithe is 10% of our income. That's what tithe is. It's a noun and it's a practice. Tithe is 10% of our income. And God says that the first 10% is His and it's all the way through Scripture. It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it starts way back in Genesis, even before the law is given to Moses. And so you might want to write down some of these Scripture references if you want to look them up later. Genesis 14, 17 through 20 tells us a story about how Abraham receives this blessing from God through the high priest Melchizedek. And then in that moment, as he receives the blessing, Abraham gives him a tenth of everything that he had gained. He offers to God a tithe. That's the first example in Scripture. In Genesis 28, verses 20 through 22, Jacob makes a covenant with God. And as he makes that covenant with God, he ties 10% of all that he has. In Leviticus 27 verses 26 through 30, we read that the tithe is holy unto the Lord because God himself declares it so. And that the first 10% of all the produce of the fields or the fruit trees or the livestock is his. In fact, in this passage, there's this really interesting line that says we can't even choose to dedicate a firstborn animal to the Lord because that firstborn animal is already God's. And so that brings us to a really interesting truth, and I want you to write this down. It's going to blow some of you away. And it's this, that we actually do not give our tithe, we return our tithe. It's already God's. He's already designated it as his own. It's his. That's part of what he has claimed in scripture. And now, suddenly this makes sense, this this passage in Malachi chapter 3, where God is speaking to his people. He says, Will a mere mortal rob God and yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. And you see, the reason why God says you're robbing me, you can only be robbed if if you own something to begin with. And so God says, hey, that first 10%, that tithe, that's already mine. So when you withhold it, you are robbing from me. You know, when my daughter was two years old, she was just super cute, like off the charts cute, just adorable. She was sneaky, but in a cute kind of a way. And I remember one time, we were in Southern California, and so it was Jody and myself, and we were with my daughter, Alexandra, a little cute-year-old, toot, she was cute, too. you could call her toot, she tooted, but... Uh, that's not the point. The point is we're taking a train trip down to Oceanside together, a beautiful sunny day, a little family outing, and on this train as we're going by the beach, we have this little uh, candy snack that we're all sharing as a family, it was a bag of Jelly Bellies. And so we would each, you know, try a Jelly Belly and try a different flavor and talk about it, and we were having fun as a family and enjoying the trip. And then at some point, Jody just determines in her motherly discernment, you know what, that's enough candy for right now. And so she says, Alex, uh, uh, you know, I think you've had enough candy for a while, and so we're going to hold off on this. And, and Alex says, okay, mom, okay. And, and then, then Alex thinks for a moment and says, but mom, would you like another jelly belly? <laughs> and Jody says, well, sure, I'll take another one. And, and so Alex says, well, can I hold it for you? And so we go, okay, yeah, right, sure, we know where this is going. And so Jody gives her a jelly belly to hold, and Alex holds it for a while. She's so cute and content, and we're just chatting. And then Jody turns her head to look out the window at the ocean, and Alex pops it in her mouth real quick. (laughs) You knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. And I just want you to understand that that's exactly what we do with God. Is we're like, God, I'll hold this for you for a little bit. I'll hold it for you. And then we use it on ourselves and on our desires and on our agendas and our plans. and our, we, we just use it. We, we, we pop his jelly belly into our mouths. Are you with me on this? And, and I want you to understand, Jody was not like super confused about what was going on. She didn't turn around and see the jelly belly gone and go, Alex, what happened? Did it evaporate? You know, like how weird that it just disappeared. You know, she knew exactly what Alex had done. And I want you to understand, God knows exactly what you're doing. We're we're never pulling the wool over God's eyes in this equation. And so I want you to write down this question, and I want you to answer it honestly before God. Okay, write this question down. If you have a spouse, I want you to talk about this question with your spouse over the course of this week. But meditate on this, pray on this question. And the question is this, am I robbing God? Am I robbing God? He says the first 10% is his. He says the tithe is already his. I can't even give him a tithe. I can only return a tithe because it's already his. Am I robbing God? And I want you to process that and, and, and wrestle with that and spend some time this weekend. And here's what you need to know. The tithe is actually for everyone in the kingdom. So the Israelites, as you remember, were situated into 12 different tribes. And 11 of these tribes were given land and inheritance in the promised land. Different regions. But the Levites were the priestly tribe. They were stewards of the ministry in the tabernacle. So they did not own land or have an inheritance. And so the tithes of the rest of the people provided for the ministry and the ministers. But listen to this. And this is really important for you to note. Even the Levites were required to tithe. So this is what God says in Numbers 18, 26. Give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes I have assigned as your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you receive, a tithe of the tithe, to the Lord as a sacred offering. And the reason why I bring this up is because I want you to understand that the Levites, and by proxy today, you know, priests and ministers and church workers, tithe as well, In other words, no one is exempt. There's no sense that tithing is for sort of the, the common person and spiritual people are exempt. And there's absolutely no sense in scripture that it's only for spiritual people and that regular people are exempt. No, no, it's the entire people of God participate in this. And so that's why Overlake, when I talk about finances with you and I'm encouraging you and exhorting you in this regard, I always say something like, thank you for joining me in this. Or I'll say it's an honor to journey with you in this adventure of giving because I'm in this with you. Because tithing and giving are uh, absolutely a part of our faith expression here at Overlake Christian Church. And they have been for 15 years. And so I am joyfully in it. And I want you to join me in it as well. Now I want to give you further teaching about the difference between tithes and offerings. Because when we talk about them, typically we put them together. And it may be confusing. And and some of you might think they're synonymous. And they're not. So it, it's helpful to understand. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6 and following. We can categorize these in a couple of different uh, categories. The first is tithes, which we've already talked about. It's 10%. It's God's. It's already his. We return it to him. The second thing is offerings, and offerings are, are, are what we give above and beyond our tithe. So God gets the first 10%. We return that to him, but offerings are given out of the overflow of our hearts, out of the overflow of gratitude or abundance that we have from God. And all throughout scripture, what's the, the analogy that's used is the analogy of seeds because it was an agricultural context that they were in. And so farmers would have used this as, as common knowledge that when they plant seeds, they, re, they release those seeds into the ground, but there's a harvest that gets returned to them. And in the same way offerings, we plant those, we give those away as seeds and then God returns it to us as a harvest. And so I, I just want to share this with you as an example. This is just a, not even a, a, really a glimpse into the Howerton process, but it, this is how we approach our financial uh, life and giving, and I would love you to join me in this. But our tithe goes to Overlake first. And it always has. Whatever church that we're in, wherever we're connected, our tithe goes to the church first. And then our offerings go to various projects, you know, ministry expressions. For example, World Vision, where we support several children. Or the Katali Project, where we're involved, Overlick's involved overseas in Katali And helping children get off the streets there. Or our Bridge Receiving Center, where we're working with foster care here. And that's brand new and just opening up. Or just when we meet people who are in need. And we want to be a part of, of that. In fact, what that's called, a kind of a third definition is alms. You might be familiar with that phrase. And alms are simply given directly to the poor. When we find those that are in need in our life and we want to offer them some aid, some assistance, just personally in that context. And God loves it when we do this. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him. So that's what a tithe is and what an offering is and it's what alms are. Now let's talk about when a tithe is. And if you're filling in the blanks, the the fill-in is it's first. First fruits is the word that is used often in scripture. And again, it's an agricultural phrase. Uh, I don't know if if many of us are fruit harvesters, so I don't know if that exactly applies. But this has to do with our income and, and it's first. So in Deuteronomy 15, 19, we're to set aside the firstborn of our flocks, our herd, the first fruits of our, our trees or our harvest. And, and the point is that God, he's not interested in your leftovers. What he's interested in is your priority. That's why it's first. Several years ago, my wife and I were a part of a gleaners co-op. And some of you might be familiar with that. I don't know exactly how a gleaners co-op works, but my understanding is that there are grocery stores all around that can only sell their fruit and their produce and their baked goods for a certain amount of time, and then they have to get them off the shelves. They have to give them away. And so these gleaners come, and they pick these up, and they, they take them. And so you're talking about, like, these, these piles of fruit and vegetables, and they're not exactly, like, rotting, but they're certainly not fresh. And so you, you're kind of looking through the, what's limp and what's, you know, it's a little rubbery here and it's got a little mold on it here. You've got a scone that'll chip your tooth, you know, those kinds of things. And, and I'm, not, I'm not totally negative on this. Like, I, like you, you'll get a bad impression if you think that I'm like just absolutely poo-pooing this process. I'm not because obviously I know that food that's, that's just past expiration date can still feed the hungry. So I'm, I'm like all for that. But here's what I want you to see. I, I want you to picture in your mind th- that pile of fruit that's just kind of starting to, to rot and go bad or, or, or vegetables that are just starting to fade and, 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 and you know, lilt. And, and then I want you to picture that, that state fair and, and the first fruits of the produce, right? And, and I want you to understand that you know the difference between first fruits and leftovers. And so does God. Again, we can't fool God in all of this, and, and so the, the idea is that we would come first with the first portion of our income, with the, with the first opportunity we have after we receive our income to give 10% to him right off the top, and, and it comes first, and there might be a few other things that you want to think about first, because what it means is that God is in first place. It means God is in first place in your life, and it means that you're bringing your first prize to him. It means the the first portion of what God has given to you, you have now returned to him as worship. It's the the first of your income or the first of your goods or the first of your time or your energy or your leadership. It's, It's that place of priority. And then the second thing you might want to think about is first thoughts. God wants your first thoughts as well. He wants, when you wake up in the still dark of the morning, before you ever even get out of bed, before you check your text messages, before you hop on your email or your social media, the, the very, before you even get out of bed, would you turn your thoughts to God and, and just let your heart go into this gratitude for the one who has generously given another day of life to us. You know, at Overlake, What we do is we view the entire canon of Scripture through the lens of Jesus. And we've talked about this again and again. So how did Jesus approach this issue of giving and tithing? I want you to understand that Jesus, even though Jesus comes and he fulfills the law, he does not abolish tithing. But in Matthew 23, 23, what he does is he reminds the Pharisees that tithing is actually an opportunity to demonstrate the relationship and partnership we have with our Heavenly Father. It's a time of right prioritizing and participating in kingdom values. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23. Jesus says, you should tithe. He's talking to the Pharisees. They're asking him questions. He's kind of pulling, uh, talking about where they're missing the, the mark here. And he says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And in that context, the more important things that Jesus is going after is justice and mercy and faith. So he says, you should tithe. But the reason why he's confronting the Pharisees on it is because the Pharisees, they thought they were at the pinnacle of holiness because they tithe And they were meticulous about their tithing. And Jesus said, you should tithe. But that's not the pinnacle of holiness. That's the baseline. He said, you should tithe. But then there's these other kingdom things that you should be going after. You should be going after justice. You should be going after mercy. You should be going after faith. And, and Jesus always does that. He always ups the ante for us. But i want you to see that we don't want to just challenge and then not give practical steps for how to get there so here's what we're going to do what we want to do is we want to talk about how is it that we construct god's plan for our financial lives so that giving and tithing and living generously are just a part of it so we want to go practical and we're going to do this a couple of ways number one is we're offering this class called financial peace university so for those of you who, in your life and in, in your journey, finances has always been a challenge. Financial Peace University will be a great way to help get a handle on that. And then next week, you've got to come back because we're just talking about what is God's good plan for our finances. So we're just going to go practical next week on how to get there. But I want to give you a, just a tiny pre-sermon taste. This is where we're going to end our time today. These are the practical benefits of tithing and living generously. And the first is this, that giving sets us free from the grip of materialism. Giving sets us free from the grip of materialism. Uh, we started this series talking, off, uh, talking about how the love of money can creep in and get a stranglehold on our hearts. And that lie that, that sneaks in that if I just had a little more then. If I just had a little more, then I'd be happy, then I'd be content, then I'd be cool, then I'd be at peace, then I'd be satisfied, then my parents would be proud of me. Then, you know, whatever the fill in the blank is, I'd get a date, you know, whatever that is. It's the life, if I just had a little more, and I just want you to understand that it's, it's a way that we get locked into the grip of materialism, but giving counteracts that tendency. People who think that more money will fulfill them will never be satisfied. If that's your belief, that more money will fulfill you, you'll never be satisfied. But people who know that money can't satisfy them can live fulfilled through generosity. And I just want to say this clearly over like Jesus came to set us free. Free from sin, free from the cultural norms, free from materialism. And so giving is what paves the way for me to be at peace with my paycheck or content with my cash or grateful for my green. Stoked on my stack, jazzed on my jack. You know what? That didn't work in the first service either. I think by now you've tuned me out. Okay, let me, let's finish this up. Not only that, but when we're tithers, God gets involved in our financial lives. So here's what you might want to write down. I don't want you to miss this. That 90% blessed by God goes infinitely farther than 100% unblessed. 90% blessed by God goes infinitely farther than 100% unblessed. And that brings us to the next fill-in. That giving positions us to receive God's provisions and blessings abundantly. We receive his provisions and blessings abundantly when we are faithful in our giving. Malachi 3.10, this is again the Lord speaking. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And if you would, just circle the words whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Not a partial, not just a little bit. By the way, I I want you to understand this, that preachers like to say, well, if you're not tithing, just start with a, a starting percentage. Like maybe start with 2%. And the next year bump it to 3%. Next year bump it to 4%. Stuff like that. I, I want you to understand that's not at all biblical. Preachers like me do it because it's hard to bring this hard challenge. If you've not tied, you know, starting at 10% is hard. I just want you to know that's what the scripture says. And I'm trying to talk about this as plainly as I know how. Okay? So the, the scripture says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house, God says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. See, that's the promise of God. So here's what I wanna say to you, Overlake, and I say it with love. Why don't you test God in this? Why don't you test him like he says? Why don't you just say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to return your tithe to you as a form of practice, and I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to give offering and alms, and I just want to see what it is that as I plant this seed of faithfulness, what it is that you return to me in harvest. And I promise you, not only will the Lord provide for you, he will bless you as you walk in faithfulness with him. That is true when we tithe and when we live generously in addition to our tithe. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Can you circle that phrase? Everything you do. Do you want to get blessed in everything you do? I do, and I want that for you. So let's give generously. The next verse on your outline is 2 Corinthians 9.8. It says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Please circle that word. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. Circle that. You will abound in every good work. I want you, friends, to experience the abundance of the Lord. And I want us all to abound in the good work that God has for us. And then finally, look at Proverbs or, uh, Philippians rather, 4.19, which says, This same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs. Can you circle that phrase? All your needs. From his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus has such glorious riches, friends. There is blessing and abundance for all of his children whom he loves so dearly. He is not at all interested in withholding from us any good thing. But we need to live in faithfulness with him. So I want you to think about breathing again. I want you to think about inhaling and exhaling. I want you to think about freely we've received. Now we freely give. Friends, we must teach ourselves to exhale in faithfulness and generosity, and then inhale the abundance and the blessings of the riches of Jesus. We take in the abundance of our Lord, and we exhale into the life of the kingdom. I want you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I, I want to say a special prayer. For the men and women that are in this room right now who are a little afraid or discouraged. Because I know that by talking about giving and tithing to those who have never practiced it before, it feels like trying to speak a language that is completely unfamiliar. And there's a fear and there's a hesitation and there's all kinds of what ifs and what abouts and how will this happen and how can I make this work. And so Jesus, would you just meet ...those fears with your love right now. Would you remind every heart here... ...that you have carried us since the day we were born. Every meal we've ever eaten, you have provided. Every clothing item, every time we've slept in a bed... ...every shelter we have ever had, you have provided. You have carried us every day of our lives, Jesus... And you promise to continue to meet every need we have. And so we want to start with gratitude and saying thank you. And now Jesus, we ask that you would allow us not only to freely receive from your hand, but then to freely give. That we would have exactly what you have in mind when it comes to how we steward the gifts that you have given to us. Would you please allow us to be faithful in this? Allow us to join our brothers and sisters at Overlake as we lean into this kingdom work, as we walk in financial faithfulness to you. Please meet us and carry us and give us your hope and your joy. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, friends, why don't you stand right now and let us continue to praise Jesus together.
1: every song we could ever sing, or worthy of every praise we could ever bring.
3: put my trust in you alone. He alone is worthy. He alone is is the one that all of our praise and all of our worship and all of our honor is due. So why don't you go ahead and grab a seat and we're going to continue to worship Jesus uh, with the giving of our gifts, our tithes and our offerings. And uh, I do kind of feel like this whole message has been an offering set up today. So... I won't uh, go into that too much. By the way, if you're a first time visitor here, I'm really sorry. Uh, we, we hardly cover this topic, but when we do, we cover it big time. So, uh uh, anyway, if you would, please take a moment and finish filling out your card that Pastor Connor mentioned earlier, and and honestly, there are so many uh, prayer requests that come in every week, and we lift these to the Lord, and, and you'll have a, an opportunity, a moment to see some that we're actively pla- praying for right now, but go ahead and write that down. If you had a, a spiritual uh, decision today, let us know. And we celebrate that, and, and if there's a way that we can help get you more connected here at Overlay, go ahead and mark that as well. If this is your first time, go ahead and hold Hold on to this card, and on your way out, you'll stop by the Connection Center, uh, trade in that card for a gift. It's just our way of saying thank you so much for being here. And then lastly, Overlake, you, you might already know this, but there are many different ways to participate in worship through giving at Overlake. One is giving your gifts in the bucket, but other ways are online or text to give, and, and uh, th- there's no way that's better. It's, it's just all about your heart for the Lord, okay? Ushers, why don't you come, and we'll collect these cards, and we'll collect our offering, and we'll continue to worship Jesus. Well, if you would, please stand with me and let me pray a blessing over you as we leave this morning. I would love to make sure that you understand in the handout there are all kinds of great stuff going on and this week especially uh, our bridge receiving center is having uh, an event and we're excited about the kickoff of that again that's for foster uh, caring for foster care kids and then uh, Eastside Academy is hosting an auction on Friday night and I'd love to see you all there as well. in the hallway on the way out, there are all kinds of short-term mission trips that are, uh, we're trying to build for next year. We'd love to have you come join uh, with us on an adventure like that. And then again, I mentioned Financial Peace University, and that information's in the handout as well. As always, Over Lake, there's an opportunity to receive prayer in our prayer alcove, which is on the second floor. Signs, we'll direct you there. Our men and women are trained and lovely, and they would love to lift any need you have to the Lord with you this morning. So please don't feel like you've got to carry those burdens alone. All right, why don't you close your eyes and just receive this blessing. And now may you remember and never forget that your heavenly Father is able to do infinitely more than you can ask or imagine. And may you walk in the faith that he loves you with the love that is everlasting and unconditional and eternal. And may you sense that he is caring for you and he will carry you no matter what you face, no matter what your trial, your Lord is with you. May you walk in confident joy with him In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.